The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Can you believe it? It's time for our 30th episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. Did you guys know that Mini Mavo 2020, the online conference that I plan, organize, and run, is coming up on November 6th through 8th on Zoom? With over 22 guest speakers and three full days of exclusive Mavo content, I simply don't know how you could even consider missing this event. You don't even have to leave your house to attend. It's going to be great, and I'd really love to see you there. All of the guest speakers we have this year are fantastic and really talented. I'm excited for every session. We even have very, very elite guest speakers like Eric Bauza, J. Michael Collins, and Steve Maraboli. Need more information? Visit our website at minatlanticvo.com and register today for this great event via Eventbrite. I'll see you there. My special guest today is none other than the voiceover big dog himself, Jim Cooper. Radio and music were in his blood from the very beginning. Being on stage and behind the mic felt as natural as breathing. He cut his on-air personality teeth on radio stations in Pennsylvania, Texas, and central New Jersey. He also gained experience in copywriting and commercial production, working with radio clients to ensure their ads hit the professional mark. In New Jersey, he hosted, wrote, and produced a syndicated film review radio program called All That Glitters that aired on WCTC and Magic 98.3. Jim's voiceover credentials run the gamut from audiobooks, both fiction and nonfiction, to e-learning modules, corporate explainer videos, radio promos, and phone messaging systems. His voiceover training includes studying with J. Michael Collins, Allison Steele, Pat Fraley, and Scott Brick. If he's not in the studio, he's attending training classes, industry conferences, or webcasts. Learning is a constant. He's also a member of the Audio Publishers Association. Jim has a professional home studio with access to SourceConnect, Skype, and Zoom. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Jim. It's great to be here, Val. I really appreciate it. Let's start out with what might be the most important question of all. Are you a coffee drinker? (laughs) The weird part of that is that up until two years ago, no, I never drank coffee. I mean, I liked coffee ice cream and, and that kind of thing, but I never drank coffee until about two years ago. And now... I'm a complete coffee snob. It's just amazing to me. (laughs) And if I don't have my coffee in the morning, I'm very grumpy, and it's not pretty. So, (laughs) so yes, I've become an avid coffee drinker. That's awesome. Perfect. Good answer. Good start. (laughs) (laughs) What have some of the highlights of your voiceover career been so far? There's been so many of them, you know, and, and of course you always have the standard ones like your first gig or your first audiobook or something like that. But I think some of the bigger highlights, the things that stand out in my mind, my first coach, who was J. Michael Collins, who got me into this mess, it's all his fault. <laughs> he and I, and I've told this story before, but I, I tell it over and over again just for my own sake, is that he and I started doing some sessions together and... About the third session in, he stopped me and he said, you're not having any fun at this. And he was right. And he's like, you're taking this way too seriously. You didn't, you know, and he read me the riot act, essentially. He's like, get it together. So by the next session, I had calmed down and he was like, yeah, you were a different person. So I take that with me everywhere. And when I find myself getting too serious or too serious about myself, I remember that. And I can hear J. Michael telling me to knock it off, so that's a good thing. (laughs) 
one of the other big ones was my very first APAC, the Audio Publishers Association Conference, where I got to meet so many people that I heard so much about and had talked to, you know, on phone calls and that kind of thing. That was a blast. I'm so sorry that we're not doing that this year, but I get it. That was great. And I got to meet a lot of great people. And that's kind of the piece that recurs over and over again, meeting all the great people that I never would have met otherwise if I wasn't in this business. Oh, definitely. That sounds like it's a great event. I'm not really an audiobook narrator, so I don't go, but I've heard always really great things about it. It's so much fun. And the amazing thing to me is you get to meet people that just starting out, like me, and you get to meet the people that have been doing it for 50 years. You know, guys like Pat Fraley and Scott Brick show up and Andy Arndt. And, you know, it's just so cool. And everyone is like, sure, I'll talk to you. You know, no one's ego is there. Everyone's checked their ego at the door. And they talk to you and they support you and they give you advice. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful event. And they're a crazy group of people. And I love them all. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Pat Fraley. It was at a conference in Canada. I think it was like 2012. It's been a while now. He was the keynote speaker. And I was just so impressed with his talent. He's such a kind person. I was really, really impressed with his stories. He's really a great guy. So it must have been really fun to train with him. It was. And I've actually taken a couple of his courses. I took his audiobook major course, which is really five courses put together that he and Scott Brick put together. And that has just helped me so much. There was just so much valuable information there. I mean, Pat's crazy. He's nuts. But you're right. He is also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he has got so much knowledge. And the fact that he's willing to share it with everyone is just irreplaceable. Yeah, he's really great. What's your favorite travel destination and why? I don't like to travel. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know that comes off as sounding, what is this guy, stupid? But, <laughs> but I don't like to travel. I'm not comfortable flying. I've always had a fear of flying. And so it's, it's just, it's a very nerve-wracking prospect for me. I like to drive, and I like to go to places in the U.S. I mean, take me to a beach anywhere, and I'll be happy. And I've driven across country and back, and there's some beautiful places in the country like Utah and Colorado, and it's just gorgeous. But I'm not a big traveler. I, you know, if I never get to Europe or, or anywhere else, I'm fine with that. Oh, wow. Well, I wasn't expecting that for an answer, but <laughs> that's cool. Everybody has their own thing. But yeah, maybe you should like work on the whole flying thing because yeah. I feel like you're missing out on so much of the world, you know, like France and I don't know, France is amazing and beautiful <laughs> and experiencing that in person is like, uh, it's something you should do sometime in your life. Just take some, I don't know. Take some Valium and hop on the plane and go to sleep for a couple hours and you'll be in France. Oh, oh <laughs> trust me. You know, I've, I fly when I have to. We've flown to Florida a couple times and I do love the west coast of Florida. It's just, it's gorgeous and I love being on the, the Gulf. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's alcohol involved in, in all that process. So, yeah. <laughs> well, then you would fit right in in France because wine is go. a huge part of their culture. So. <laughs> Or England, or, or especially England. in Ireland, you know, yeah. and it's just like, so, <laughs> one of these days I'll get there, but it's yeah. just not top of my list. Right. 
No, that's understandable. You spent a fair amount of your career in radio broadcasting, right? So how would you say that that differs from voiceover? I spent probably the bulk of my time with my first two coaches, J. Michael Collins and Allison Steele, learning how not to be an announcer. And that's what you are in radio, at least when I was coming through the ranks, which is ancient history, granted. <laughs> you know, in the time when, when announcers were supposed to be announcers. It's very different where in VO, you're trying to have a conversation with somebody. You're trying to emote. You're trying to act. It's much more acting where radio is more announcing or used to be more announcing. So my training was in that announcing school of, you know, some of the old great DJs like Cousin Brucey and Dan Ingram and, you know, that whole crew on ABC in New York. That's what I was raised on. And my all my radio gigs were revolved around that. But coming to VO... I had all those announcing radio habits that I had to get rid of. And it took a while. It took a while to, to figure out, with the help of, like I said, my coaches, how to be more conversational, how to be relating to someone and being authentic. And as Scott Brick says all the time, connecting with the emotion of the character in the book you're reading and being able to convey that emotion still something I have to work on all the time because it's very easy for me to slip into the announcing frame. They are radically different, or at least they were when I came through it. I haven't really been in the radio game for a while, so I don't know if it's now more conversational or what, but that was my background and it took a while to get rid of it. Yeah, well, I think that's completely understandable. I wasn't ever on radio broadcasting, but when I was starting in my voiceover career, that was the style still. You know, was right. that announcer, you know, and that's definitely not what I'm the type of work that I'm really doing for the most part. And so it was funny because for a, a lot of years after I took my initial voiceover training, I would practice outside the booth and be totally fine. And then it's like I would step behind the microphone and then I'd be like, and today I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is that? Yes. Like, what is yes. what is that? <laughs> That's not yes. even. And I thought I was one of the few people that was having that experience. It's it's almost a choke kind of thing. And the, the analogy I used with, with one of my coaches was like, look, I can go to a bowling alley by myself and I can bowl and I can bowl right around 200 most games. It's not a problem. If I get on a team... And we're in a competition, I can't get over 130. So yeah. it's like there's this performance anxiety thing, to use that phrase. And I follow the same thing. I get in the booth and I tighten up, my throat tightens up, and I want to go to the announcing. And it's just, you know, <laughs> it's like you lose your breath. And, you know, there's there's been some people that have taught me about breathing, Pat being one of them. Alyssa Weinzimmer, another one who taught me how to breathe again so that I wasn't running out of air and that it became much more natural just to talk and breathe without having to force it. I think also something that's helped me with that, with a similar type of situation is just, you know, because like I said, I would get behind the microphone and all of a sudden I turn into like some weird announcer character and I'm like, <laughs> what is that? You know? And so I just learned to kind of like embrace it when I have the chance to do auditions on my own and I'm not being live directed, <laughs> then I just automatically assume that my first take is going to be in a lot of cases, a throwaway just to get it out of my system. Like it's like my warm up. And that definitely has helped me. But obviously, if you're going in for an audition with a live director, then you can't 
be like, well, hold on. <laughs> the first right. one is my announcer throwaway one, and they'll be like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, but that's definitely challenging, and I think a lot of people have had to work really hard to overcome that announcer type of thing if they're going from radio to voiceover. So, One of the greatest tricks that was taught to me, and it was in, a, and I think it was in, actually in one of J. Michael's workshops, when you're reading the copy, and you're reading the copy, and he's like, okay, stop. Just turn to the person next to you and tell them. Just read it to them. Don't, you're not announcing it. You're not doing anything. Just read it to him. And, you know, you, you finally relax and read it in normal voice. And he's like, that's the way you should do it. Yeah. And so it, it brings you down out of that. And sometimes I'll be in the booth and I'll be reading something and I can feel that announcer thing going on and I've got to stop. And then I just, you know, visualize, okay, there's someone else in the booth in here with me. And I'm, I'm just telling them about this and I'm really excited about this, but I'm telling them and just bringing it down to that level. I use that a lot. Yeah, that sounds like it would be really helpful. Yeah. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, what can I say that's not going to get me in trouble? Um, <laughs> well, if I could have a superpower. Most guys choose invisibility. And we're not going to get into why. We all know why. But <laughs> most guys choose invisibility. I think if I had to choose a superpower, shooting fire out of the end of my fingers would be cool. That'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> strength, I think. Just a lot of strength. And I can't even give you a reason why, but I think of it in terms of, you know, I would be more useful and more helpful if I had, like, Superman strength or something like that. I could do more things for more people. And if someone was like, hey, can you help me move this couch, Jim? You'd be like, no problem. And then you would lift right. it up with like one finger and like yeah. fling it to wherever they wanted it in their house. Exactly. You need to change a tire, don't bother with a jack because all the jacks they give you now are absolutely terrible and they scrape your knuckles. I'll just lift the car up for you. <laughs> that would be cool, actually. I've never heard anyone say that one before, so that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what are three of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, man, I only get three? Only three. <laughs> oh. That's why I said three, because the question before was, what's your favorite movie of all time? And then I realized that wasn't really fair, because most people have at least three, so. Oh, I got to pare it down to Narrow three. Narrow it down. <laughs> I think the first one would be The Big Sleep with uh, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, directed That's by Howard Hawks, mm -hmm. which is a great one. The second one would probably be It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. And the third, wow, this is a toss-up. I got two. Can I have a tie? Sure. My tie for third would be A Night at the Opera with the Marx Brothers or It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Okay. I don't know if I've seen either of those, oh. I need to, I guess, huh? Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, you talk about just absolute escapist comedy at its most brilliant. Those two movies, put them on your list. Okay. Cool. I will. I'll definitely put those on my list. That sounds great. Having a social media presence has become even more important over the past few years. How do you use social media platforms to promote your voiceover work? And have there been any strategies that have been really successful for you? Being relatively new at this game, and I've only been doing this about three and a half years, so I still consider myself kind of a newbie. The whole marketing aspect of this gig, because I spent you know two and a half years focusing on the skill level of doing the job, and I've only recently 
gotten into the marketing side of things. And I've hooked up with, as so many people have, Corey Disson to start walking me through the social media marketing side of things. And we're you know getting into other things as well. But the biggest thing that I've learned that I've been able to accomplish through all the social media platforms, and, I'm, and I basically talk about the four big ones, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, is being able to connect to, first of all, other people in this industry who I maybe would never have met anywhere else, but we have a lot of things in common. So being able to reach out to people and, and make them aware of who I am, and I get to be aware of who they are. And then also at the same time, start to really push my brand out there. And this whole big dog brand that I developed with Corey, that's what I've been pushing out more and more over the past six, eight, nine months. And uh, it's, it gets a lot of response. I mean, people are like, oh, that's cool. And I'll get comments back, you know, from things that I post and people just say, woof. And you're okay, okay, they're getting into the dog thing. That's cool. <laughs> I like that. And, and someone said to me the other day, how many different dog puns are you going to come up with? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll think of them as they come up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, that has started and I've started to do some direct marketing as well. And it's been a catalyst for me. It's been a jumping off platform. And it's also been starting to be a place where prospective clients can go see my stuff. And I mean, not just to my website, but also they can look on social media, which they all do and see, oh yeah, this guy's really connected. Oh, he's been posting a lot. Here's some more stuff about him. His posts are a nice combination of, you know, his personal stuff and business stuff and voiceover stuff and that kind of thing. So it gives me an opportunity to show clients that I am active in this business. I am serious about this. This is not a fly-by-night. I don't expect to make tons of money overnight. You know, that's not why I'm doing this. Doing this because I love doing it, and I love being in this industry and love the people. And I am very, very serious about my craft, which is the main thing that I'm trying to portray through all the social media platforms. I agree. It, it is really important to to develop your brand and you've done a very good job of doing that. I've been seeing your posts everywhere and I'm impressed Thanks. with what you've done with it. It's really good work. And Corey Disson is great. He's a really great marketer and he's a really great guy and he's a good person to turn to for advice. The time that I've spent with Corey and continue to spend with Corey is just invaluable. He's just put me on the right road. I mean, to use his analogy, you know, my marketing was a train wreck and now I'm on the go get it express. So it's just like <laughs> the difference between where I am now and where I was eight months ago is night and day. Yeah, well, you have to find out what works for you. You know, sometimes it's surprising too with social media because every platform works kind of differently and you have to figure out what are people that are following me on Instagram going to respond to versus what people on Facebook are going to respond to. And it's not the same. And that's actually been one aspect that has actually surprised me a whole lot. And I never would have thought this. Look at the reactions I'm getting are actually on LinkedIn and Instagram. And I would have bet anything on Facebook and possibly Twitter. Yeah. But I've come to learn that each platform has its own audience and its own personality. Yeah, you know, it, If I was doing gaming and animation and that kind of thing, I'd be pounding on Twitter left and right because it seems to focus a lot on that niche in the market. Audiobooks, yeah, LinkedIn and Instagram get a lot, a lot, a lot of play. And 
that has surprised me, but I'm glad to see it. And that's where I just look to those two to see what's going on. Yeah, I've made a lot of connections on Twitter. People have reached out and said, do you want to audition for this? And that never used to happen in the past on Twitter. And it's it's just been, I would say, in the last year especially that that's been happening is more and more building your following and building for me it's about building an organic following as well right because it's like oh you have these i constantly get these ads from people like buy 50,000 followers right. like, why yes. 50,000 followers <laughs> i don't know like that doesn't make right. sense <laughs> of course realistically speaking you don't know probably all of the followers that you have on all of your platforms no. but the point is that there's some common ground and a reason for you to follow them back. You know what I mean? Like if someone follows you and you look at their page and it's like nothing to do with anything you're trying to be present for on that platform, then maybe you don't follow them back. You know what I mean? So Right. I get very judicious and in the first stages I was just like, yeah, I'll friend anybody, but I've gotten very judicious, especially for people that want to be friends with me. I'll take a look at their sites and first of all, if most of their posts are political, forget it. I'm not yeah. connecting. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's not why I'm here. Right. And I take a very close look at what they're promoting and who they are. And if I think like it's a good match, then yeah, sure. I'll accept your invitation or, or we can become friends on Facebook or whatever it happens to be. I've started to get picky and maybe I shouldn't be, but I've just started to get picky. No, I think it's good that you are because I'm the same way. Like I used to, when I first started, especially on Twitter, I think is where, you know, it can be a little tough to build that following when you first start out and you have like five followers, you know, and you're like, how am I going to build this? It takes a lot of work. I mean, I remember spending like hours a day on Twitter when I first began to like try to get my following up to 100. And (laughs) it was just like, right. Okay, if I can make it to 100, then I can make it to 1,000, you know. But like I said, I would rather have an organic following of people that I'm actually interested in interacting with rather than just follow every person that decides to follow me for whatever reason. Cause they're and that starts to, to shape itself after a while. I mean, I've gone through, you know, you go through a number of people you connect with and you, there's really no connection there. And there's like a handful core group of people that I feel really connected with that have either provided me with some advice or just the way they operate their business and that kind of thing is something I I admire and want to emulate. You know, like you and I have talked about, I am in awe of your organizational skills. I mean, it's just like, whoa, I don't think I could ever do what she does, you know, and and that kind of thing. Um, Thank you. There's another guy out there, Brad Highland, who I just really like, and I don't idolize him, but I I have a lot of respect for him. And I was on a call with him recently, and he mentioned that he actually got his first gig from his Instagram post. So I know it's out there. I know it can be done. We don't all have to rely on pay-to-play sites to get gigs, because I think that phase of the VO industry is kind of fading into the sunset. I think so, yeah. Well, what are you most looking forward to about Mini Mavo 2020, and why should people attend? People should attend because it's going to be a great event, and there's a lot of 
stellar people going to be there. You know, Jay Michael is going to be there. I, I always look forward to events that he's at because he's just so much fun. And there's so much advice and, and wisdom that you can pick up there. And that's true for just about any event. But for Mavo, it's something where you can really pick up some specialized advice. You know, it's not a it's not a 10 million person attendee <laughs> kind of thing. It, it's a great group of people that get together to share information and ideas. And that's what I get out of all these conferences. It's just what's going on. I want to hear what you're doing with your career. And here's what I'm doing with my career. And that, you know, to me, that's the kind of exchange that is is so cool. And that's what I think I'm looking forward to more than anything. I want to hear what these people have to say and then get a chance to talk to them off the side just to say, you know, hey, here's where things are. How's it going? You know, that kind of thing. For me, it's all about the people connection and learning. Yeah, it's going to be a great event. I'm so happy that you're going to be there. Absolutely. And there's one other thing, oh, we're going to do at Mavo, by the way. What's that? Celebrate my birthday. Oh, when's that? November 6th. Oh, okay. So we have Uncle Roy on the 5th and you're on the 6th. On the 5th, right. So basically right. it's a huge birthday celebration for you guys. Right, yeah. yeah. Roy and I discovered that a couple of years ago that his was the 5th and mine was the 6th. And it's like, oh, we, we've got to celebrate together then. You have so. to celebrate together. Yeah. That's great. That'll he's, be so much fun. He's also one of those people that just I've immediately taken to. And I just, I love Uncle Roy and he's been so helpful to me. At you know, at his own expense, and we've we forged kind of a friendship. You know, I've gone up and we've gone out to dinner and that kind of thing. So he is just invaluable to me. Yeah, he's absolutely one of the best people in the industry, and I adore him. And his advice, his kindness, everything he does to go out of his way to help everybody, it's just like there's only a handful of people you'll meet in your lifetime that are that kind, and he's one of them. So he's really great. Yep. So yep. Thanks, Uncle Roy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Have a bagel, Roy. I know. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Jim. I look forward to seeing you at Mini Mabel 2020 on November 6th through 8th on Zoom and at other future Mabel events. In the meantime, I wish you tons of continued success in your voiceover career and everything you do. Thanks, Val. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to Mavo on the 6th through the 8th. Thanks, Val. I'm J. Michael Collins, and I can't wait to present at Mini Mavo 2020. I'll be doing a session on mastering the commercial read for 2020 and really taking it to the next level. And I'll also be hosting a panel on creating your best demo with some of the top demo producers in the business, and including me. I can't wait to see you at Mini Mavo. Live is Wacky is mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Yokelson of Antland Productions. Tune in next week for another fun episode of Live with Squacky. Uh, uh.